are listening to the Heavy Metal Hangover, where the beer is always cold and the music is always heavy. With your hosts wearing jeans and leather, not Cracker Jack clothes, Rex and Duff. Welcome to another episode of the Heavy Metal Hangover. My name is Duff. My name is Rex. Ah, wait, hold on. Mine too. Well, my name's not Rex. That, that was my my beer too. Wait you know, I wonder. I wonder. And like, clearly, if you've been on the, if you've been around the show for a while, you clearly know that the the truth to this. But I often wonder if 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 we get new listeners, which I look, I know we get new listeners. We probably lose those new listeners <laughs> ten minutes into the show. Ten minutes. But I mean. People listen to the show, they click off in five minutes. But I, like, do you think people think that that's a soundbite? Like, the, the beer opening, like, do you think they're, like, we're sitting there, like, at a, a, you know, a corny FM radio station and hitting the little button that makes the beer opening sound? <sighs> I promise it's not. No, well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, do they, do they really think we push the beer open button? Dude, I, I, the only, I, the I, only. How stupid <laughs> is that? The only button I push is the top of the beer i don't know if that's a button but you know it's a lever i, I push, guess i'll push the f dash 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 button when we start the show but no i'm serious like i i, I anyway well that, see, that's the other thing like if, if they're new to the show and they listen to it like oh they're pushing the beer button now if, if that's saying no, i listener, wish i had a beer button <laughs> I, know. I have a tab <laughs> button but i never got one be great um, yeah, well, you know me. I drink pull tab. <laughs> I drink pull tab paps, right? Um, no, like I'm drinking Miller Lite right now. The, and then you throw it in the lawn and walk away. <laughs> well, because dude, it's summer. I drink Miller Lite in the summer. Like I'm a Jenny Cream Ale guy, but it's also a it's a pain in the padded ass to try to find. So, I mean, I I know there's like two places anywhere near me that sell it, but I don't normally go there. It's like I can't just go down to the gas station and get it. So, you know, it's summer. I, I drink Miller Lite. In the winter, I drink, you know, I might drink, you know, heavier beers, but, you know, whatever. Um, and, and in a couple of weeks, I'll be drinking a lot of Guinness. And, like, literally, quite literally in two weeks, I'll be drinking a lot of Guinness. But we'll talk about that later. Um, I would like to think that if the new listener stuck around until, like, an hour into the show, they might realize that the two of us are – starting to get schlitzed. Now, in your case, you might already be schlitzed. Like, if it's a black tooth grin night, you're already three sheets to the wind an hour in the show. <laughs> and it's not, for the record, if you're new, it's not because Rex can't handle his liquor. Trust me, he can. It's because he's probably drank half a bottle of whiskey already. I'm not wrong. <laughs> I go back and forth. I go, so, I go like, in the wintertime, I'm much more of a whiskey guy. In the summertime, I'm much more of a beer guy. Whether it's beer or whiskey, like you're 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 probably half schlitzed an hour. Uh, dude, I'm I'm just as guilty of it. I'm just as guilty of it. Um, but what do you got with you today? Uh, What's sixer. in the bag? There you go. Uh, sixer. <laughs> ah, sixer. <laughs> Have you been drinking? No. no. Are you, Are you drunk? drunk? <laughs> yeah, I could watch that every day. Uh, Dazed and confused. A reference for those of you that. Don't realize we speak entirely. I don't know why today's like the introduce the show to new listeners day. Maybe I have this weird feeling someone new might listen. Uh, you know, but I mean, we, we we count our new listeners on one finger. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm going to plug this site. Um, th there are things I'm going to plug, and it ain't a site, but be my guest. 
Okay. Uh, I don't know. That, that sounded perverted. It probably was. I don't know. Continue. Uh, you can plug whatever you want. Just leave me out of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> leave me out of it. Just leave me out of it. So um, there is a site that you and I have been ordering quite a lot of things from lately, and I wanted to give them. Look, we're oh, not getting do, paid. By the way, I'm glad you're giving them a shout out because they deserve it. We're not getting paid. It's a very small business. Like literally every single time I've commented on one of the one of their posts, like the dude gets back to me, or the, the I don't know who runs it, if it's a man or a woman, but I wanted to mention this this uh, this site again. I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting kickback from it. It's just one of those things that when something's cool, you gotta mention it. And and like I, I I I like supporting people who do cool things, especially if they're like not Amazon or Walmart or you know if they're if they're a small company doing cool things that that cater frankly good to about us. Walmart. I don't know what happened by the way. I'm I'm smoking <laughs> something if I said something good about Walmart. Let's just make that one clear. But continue. But but I was saying like it's a small company that's making things that cater to us, like to our crowd, like the people who listen to the show. Especially if you get yeah. half of what we're saying, you'll appreciate this. So, the name of the site is called Creep O Rama, like C R E E P O R A M A. And you and I have been ordering a ton from them because they released. I mean, it's the first time I've ever seen an Whoa. Airheads T-shirt. They released uh, three different Airheads T-shirts. One's just, uh, um, you know, there's there's two of their kind of collages. And I'm sorry, like you, we've talked about these shirts before in the show. The first shirt they released, the first collage shirt, is it's just insane. Like it's got oh, it's all these Easter eggs on too. it. What's that? It's got deep Easter eggs. Yeah, deep Easter eggs, like, like one of the, watertight, and they, you know what I mean. Yeah, like one one of them is Pip's secret code. Yeah, don't, I can't give you my look. code. Like literally, it's the code he types in for his eight for his 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 debit card. Like it, come on, that's awesome. But the coolest ones, and they just released a new one. You and I both ordered it. But the coolest ones are they have a Lone Ranger's tour shirt where. It's you know it's got the front and it looks like Appetite for Destruction but it's got uh, you know the four it's got the th the the three Lone Rangers um, I'm trying to remember it's got the three Lone Rangers I, I assume the bottom's Ian the Shark yeah and Lemmy's on top. and Lemmy's on top with with Lemmy is God around he they also made a Lemmy is God sticker which I actually put on my record weight like the little weight I just you got put another on top one too they, they sent me more. they sent me two more with mine and but and on the back this is what makes it cool on the back. It has tour dates listed, and the Lone Rangers are listed with Crucial Taunt opening. For those of you who don't know, and I'm about to mention more, Crucial Taunt is Cassandra's band from Wayne's World. So on that note, they actually released Wayne's World shirts, and they did the same thing for Crucial Taunt. They actually made a Crucial Taunt Wayne's World shirt, where it's got Cassandra and her band, and you know it says 92 tour, and the best thing about the whole shirt, and... and um, the best thing about the whole shirt was you might they have just, all the tour okay. dates, but they why, have... Why don't you just, this, make, make this one of those times where you go ahead and say it, because it's literally the name of it. So, normally we don't swear. I'll, this is one of those, just say it because it's the name of it. It doesn't make any sense if you don't. All right. So, the the special guest, the, the, you know, they have the tour dates, and it says, with special guests, Jolly Green Giants and the Shitty Beatles. <laughs> Are they any good? <laughs> they suck. Then it's not just a clever name. So... They had that one, you know, then they have a couple of collage shirts, but we just found out that they're also going to release, 
one of my favorite movies. This one's not the one that I know you're excited for. They're going to release SLC Punk t-shirts, which I love that movie. But they're also going to release Dazed and Confused t-shirts. I like literally, like, the person who owns this shirt company must, like, literally have a window inside of my head. I'm just waiting. Well, well, the only bad thing is they could never release something like Detroit Rock City shirts because, you know, Kiss would be like, we'll take 103% well, of the profits. Here's the thing, though. Like, they quite literally are... Once they release the Days and Confused shirt, they will actually be the only company that sells a shirt for the three movies that describe high school. Yeah. Because Wayne's World, Airheads, and Days to Confused were my high school experience. Well, yeah. our, but I mean, other than Pantera's Vulgar videos and, and a year and a half Life Metallica. Basically, that was the five things we watched. Year and a half Life Metallica, Vulgar videos, Days and Confused, Airheads, Wayne's World. And both Wayne's Worlds, yeah. Yeah, both Wayne's World. Well, yeah, Wayne's World. Uh, I mean, not to say we didn't watch anything else. I mean, like, we hey, dude, it'd be cool if they made it. Like, it'd be cool if they made a UHF shirt. But I mean, again, though, that was '89. Not, you know, what? That's it, also like that's also specifically Weird Al Yankovic. Like, it's right, not like right. it's just no, 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 a know. movie. It's his thing. You know what I mean? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, there, there were other ones that we watched a lot. But uh, I mean, and and like, I have a Wayne's World tattoo. I don't have a Days and Confused tattoo. I don't have an Airheads tattoo. I, I got to kind of figure out a cool way to go about doing it. I mean, I know getting Chaz's Reaper would be funny, but at the end of the day, I'd be getting a crappy tattoo tattooed on me. And I, you know, I, I don't want to get a crappy tattooed. I have a cra I have two crappy tattoos, not trying to get more crappy tattoos. Um, and I, I don't have, and this, I can't put a gecko on my chest because that part of my chest is already, you know. I mean, but they also have Monster Squad, Demon Knight. Like Demon Knight was another no, one. I almost bought the Demon Knight shirt, dude. I ho love dumb, that movie. ho dumb, well done there. <laughs> like, like ho dunk, ho dunk, well done there. But yeah, I love, I love, love that movie. Absolutely. I mean, dude, Demon Knight. I think I was in like eighth grade, maybe seventh when it came out. I was obsessed with that movie because first, because the well, dude, and we, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because we've talked about it. But the soundtrack on Demon Knight is awesome. There's one crappy song on it. It's the um, the ministry song sucks, and unfortunately they shorten Cemetery Gates. But otherwise, like it's a killer soundtrack and it's a great movie. Bordello of Blood isn't a good movie, but it's got lots of boobs and it's really funny. Where Demon Knight was way more of a horror movie, <laughs> Bordello of Blood was more comedy. I love I, the best line in that entire. Oh, no, I know movie. what the best line and is. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit it a little bit yeah. here. Is when the guy when Dennis Miller's talking to the guy and the guy gets in his face and goes, "Let's step outside." And Dennis Miller goes, "No thanks, I'm not in the mood for a BJ right now." <laughs> and it's fun. It's funny because it's again, it's one of those like matter of fact kind of humors. I'm not really in the mood for a BJ right now. Um... <laughs> I love I love those, but yeah, but dude, oh, and 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 okay, you know what else is awesome about it too? That they don't make a Hellraiser shirt. They make Hellraiser sequel shirts. Most importantly, they make a Hellraiser three shirt. Dude, you know what'd be awesome? Just, that's what I'm saying. Like they make a Hellraiser three shirt. Dude, it would be way cool if Armored Saint was in it. But I was just about to say, dude. So. I, I don't want to get off track here, but you know what would be hilarious? Now, I know that I know you don't want to necessarily do this, but wouldn't it be freaking cool if you wore a Hellraiser 3 shirt when you did your meet and greet with Armored Saint? I I would buy it just for that. That would be the coolest, like, to, to have, like, a picture. I might with, actually do that. 
to have a picture with Armored Saint wearing a Hellraiser 3 shirt? It's sold out. No, that's why I went to buy it. Fat guy size is sold out. Damn. Damn. Well, I almost bought it. Anyway. Yeah, dude, that would be that would be really cool to wear to meet Armored Saint. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, why do they even make shirts like this for skinny people? I don't get it, man. Fanboy sizes. Carry fanboy sizes. They have the long sleeve is all they have, but I don't think you want to oh, wear a long man. sleeve in August in Manhattan. Yeah, I don't really either. Well, but that was a cool idea. Um, I like it. I like it. But, uh, yeah, so, no, dude, I'm so glad you mentioned it because I would have forgot to do it. Um, yeah, I've got, I so far have, th I have three Airhead shirts and two Wayne's World shirts. Me too. Awesome. Yeah, I yeah, know you do. Actually, awesome. I have four Airhead shirts because I ordered the short sleeve. And I, I've realized something. I haven't cut the sleeves off any of my Airhead shirts. I need to cut the sleeves off at least one. I I need to cut the... I'm going to cut the sleeves off of um, my Kenny F. and Powers shirt. I have a Kenny F. and Powers shirt, the one that says I paid for this hooker with the big arrow pointing to the left. But I need to cut the sleeves off because, you know, his didn't have sleeves on it. If you don't, no, but I'm Kenny saying, F like, you know, Airheads, totally like, missing. Pip, the first thing know, he did no, was no, no, cut the sleeves off his shirt, so. For the same reason, I need to cut the sleeves off my Kenny F. and Power shirt, because that yeah. also didn't have sleeves on it. Um, but I, I actually I actually messaged the guy who runs the site, or the girl, whomever runs the site, and I said, dude, you need to do a KPPX shirt, and they said, that's going in the pipeline, <laughs> so I'm hoping they release a KPPX shirt, an oh, actual, man. like, Rebel Radio shirt. Dude, I, I actually, legitimately, dude, I legitimately have a COVID mask that says KPPX Rebel Radio. It doesn't I have like actually, a picture on it in case you're wondering, but it does just say KPPX Rebel Radio. I would literally wear a shirt that said "Listen to the mellow sounds of the rain" on KPPX. I would wear that shirt. Oh, I would too. <laughs> I would too. I, I totally would too. What I totally would too what, because what the hell are these? They're shorts, Ian. Pants with little legs. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Pants with little legs. <laughs> I love that they're like old man shorts too. They're like they're like six inches long. <laughs> like have the little flap that goes over the button fly. I just love the fact that they're seriously like retirement home shorts. <laughs> well, what I loaded the best part though is the fact that they existed. You know what I mean? Like like oh well we're going to we're we're going to um um easy listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's just funny <laughs> because it's like we're switching to a crappy radio station, so we also have to wear nut hugger shorts. <laughs> we also have to wear like short nut huggers. No, but anyways, I, I wanted to shout out that site, Creeporama, because you know they've got some cool stuff, and even though it's not directly metalhead related, so much of it is as close as you can get without without selling band shirts. They're about as close to metal as you can get. And, you know, Metalhead's horror and everything else. You know, and, and there's a thousand sites out there that sell horror shirts. Like, you can find, oh, a million Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a million Hellraiser shirts, a million Friday the 13th shirts. That was the first time I'd ever seen an Airhead shirt. I No, I've legitimately never seen an Airhead shirt. No, so to me, that I mean, was cool. Okay, other than, other than, you know, like those T-shirt whatever stores where, like, you just get something custom printed right there, and they just have shirts yeah. for everything. I've never seen someone actually design, like, an actual make an airhead. Well, and, dude, the number of Easter eggs on it is what it shows so great up they about actually it. care. Well, because they care, 
It is meant for people who care. That's what I mean. It's it's not like they just, oh, here's the poster on a t-shirt. Like, no, they actually took the time to really put all those Easter eggs in there. Like, it, I don't know. It's just really awesome. And the Wayne's World shirt, of course, has Alice Cooper on it. That one's got a few Easter eggs as well, but not as many as the Airhead shirt. But, um, no, it's, it's, ser- it's seriously really cool. The Wayne's World, I mean, Wayne's World is definitely, you know, a huge movie. Airheads was a f- basically a flop. I mean, you know, when when Brendan Fraser was up, you know, when finally he became cool and got fat and um you know like won an Oscar or whatever. Like and I don't mean that to be offensive. Like I'm not trying to be offensive to Brendan Fraser by saying he won an Oscar. I know <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't anybody. I don't want. Wouldn't want anybody to say that about me. Uh, being fat's cool. Winning an Oscar, not so much. But um, like he did a sit-down interview with Adam Sandler. Why has that never happened? Because no one cared about that movie. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, there, there were those of us that loved it. But oh, actually, have you ever? There was, however, an Airheads drinking game. You've ever seen that? It's awesome. Like every time they mention the tape. Every time they give a 90s insult, like, it's an awesome drinking game. But it was by no means a movie. Like, I used to tell people it was my favorite movie because it is. And, like, it's just no one would ever agree. Like, half the time they wouldn't see it. If they did, they're like, oh, I saw that, I think. You know? like, like it, And, and dude, I, that's not an I'm cool and they're not. I mean, I am cool and they're not. But that's not even what I mean. Like, I'm, dude, I'm so glad that that movie's getting attention now. And I love that someone's making that shirt. And for the record, that shirt was being made before Brendan Fraser was considered for an Oscar. So it's not like he's like, oh, well, we better capitalize on him going fat. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what happened. So anyway, it's super cool. I love it. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely like, I think it's cool. Um, anyway, so uh, thank you for pointing that out. I would have completely forgot. Um, hey, so we actually... Uh, for the record, we have a lot we want to talk about tonight. Um, couple little things. I, I want to just throw something out really quick, like, and then we're going to get to our picks of the week. Then we do legitimately have a lot to talk about. So, for the record, there is a going to be, clearly there is this episode this week. There will be an, ep- an episode next week. But then there will not be an episode for two more weeks. Okay? Um... I am going to Vakin. I know I've said that a million times, but I will be in Europe for almost two weeks. So we're not going to record the show early. We're just, they're just not going to be an episode for two weeks. We've never skipped two weeks, but it's about the most metal reason ever to not have one for two weeks. So that's why we're not going to have one for two weeks. Then for the record, later in August... Uh, Rex and I are going to two concerts. We're going to go see Ghost in Amon Marth. And anybody who wants to give me a hard time for not being a Ghost fan, A, I have seen them before. B, I'm not a Ghost fan, but I'm a huge Amon Marth fan. And I'm well aware that Ghost is good in concert. I'm going to enjoy myself. Um, and then we're going to go see the next night. We're going to go to see Wasp and, um, uh, and, and, uh, and Armored Saint. Awesome. And we're, we're also going to drink episode. every drop of liquor in Manhattan. Oh, yeah. So we are not doing an episode that week. So just for the record, over the next like month and a half, there's going to be a couple times that there isn't an episode out. 
it's just it's just the way it's gonna go. <laughs> I I mean I, I could always do it. I could always do it myself. But but have you ever seen that scene in Scanners? <laughs> oh, I was yeah. I was gonna say it'd be it'd be like in Wayne's or it'd be like in Wayne's World. <laughs> I'm having a good time. <laughs> Not, no. I mean, I handled it okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much. Well, dude, I would, I couldn't do the show by myself either. Like, as, as much as I will say this, as much as I know that I could talk for three hours straight. Anybody who knows me or has listened to the show knows that I could talk for three hours straight. But I can't, I can't be funny by myself. Like, in, the, in this sort of set, like if I were to do the show by myself, it would actually be, it's way less funny because I'm funnier when I have someone to bounce off of and, and I just, I don't work. I don't, I, I would never do a show like this by myself. It just, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be something that I would put out thinking it's worth listening to because it wouldn't be. Um, so no. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do an episode by myself if Rex couldn't be there. It's just, so yes, it's, it's going to be a few times where we're not doing it. I do want to throw this out. <clears throat> excuse me, just just because this is cool, and I'm not trying to even plug something weird. But um, again, I'm going to Vakin, and I've been on the um, the Reddit Vakin group. Uh, well, for a year now. Well, I, I had looked at it before then because I was always curious about who was playing and all that. But I've been following it pretty closely for the last year. And the reason is is because, you know, it's just lots of great information and I've learned a lot, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, one of the Reddit users that's in that forum is having a big night. So the Tuesday night of Vakin, all right? If anybody listening to the show, and I know a couple of our listeners are going, if you are going to Vakin on Tuesday night... One of the Reddit people is throwing, like, a party that you're all invited to. Like, they literally told me, go ahead, say it on your show. Like, I'm going. So, for for absolute fact, Tuesday evening at 11 p.m., picnic tables at the jungle stage. If you, don't, if you need to hit me up, hit me up. I'll let you know. And we're going to have drinking games. Like, literally, like, I don't even know what we're going to do, but I just know, like, we are or- – I'm not organizing it. They are – I'm just being cool and going and saying you should join me. So if you want to hang out with me on at Vakin, me and my friends and some cool people at Reddit, like show up, dude. If you're there Tuesday, hang out with us, man. We're gonna do some crazy drinking Tuesday. There, you know, it's it's the day before, you know, the actual bands start playing, so it's cool. So anyway, I just I'm just throwing that out. Um, if you want to drink with me and my and a couple of my friends. And some cool people on Reddit. We are doing drinking games at the picnic tables at the jungle stage, 11 p.m. Also, we absolutely invite anybody, anybody who can get to the New York City show of Wasp and Armored Saint. We are absolutely saying meet us there, man. Meet Seriously, go meet us there. We're going we're gonna to party. We're going to be drinking afterwards. You know, you're absolutely welcome to hang out with us. Um... I don't know if you want to come with us. I don't know if you want to do the the post concert drinking with us because I wouldn't want to be around me drinking at that point. But uh, seriously, if you can go meet up with us, or if you are going to uh, and uh, Rex, remind me where it is. It's in New Jersey, Camden, the, the, the Amani Marth show, Camden. So Amani Marth and Ghost in Camden, New Jersey. If anyone is going there, it'd be great. Uh, we've actually got seats, but 
I will probably hang out in the lawn. As long as it's not raining, I'll probably hang out in the lawn during it. I'm on a Marth anyway because I want to do the rowing thing. If they, I really hope they do. They've got to. I want to do the rowing thing. Like, that'd be awesome. But again, if anybody is at that show, the two, the two of us are going to be at the at the the Wasp and Armored Saint show, and the two of us are going to be at Amon Amarth and Ghost. So again, hey, anybody who wants to hang out with us, like seriously, let us know. And after um, the uh, after we'd the love to drink Wasp, some beers with you. And after the Wasp and Amon Amarth show, I think we're going to head into Brooklyn and hit some metal bars. So well, the, if you want to form a for big record, old the, the Wasp, caravan? The, let me know. We mean the Wasp and Armored Saint show, and I only say that because we are driving to the show with with Armored Saint. Well, uh, or excuse I'm, me, no, we are driving to the show with Amon Amarth and Ghost, so we're not partying after that one. Yeah, but I, we I mean, are I'm not, partying I, that, after. I, I wouldn't be going into Brooklyn anyways. Brooklyn's like three hours away from Camden, so. No, what I, I, I was just clarifying which yeah. show we're partying after. Um, you, you said you said Wasp and Amon Amarth. I was just clarifying. You meant the Wasp and Armored Saint show. That's the one we're partying after. Yeah, that's what I meant. Wasp and Armored Saint. Um, yeah, but so I wasn't y- trying to correct you. I was just making sure I they knew care. which one we were talking about. No, but I, I know. Like I, I'm just saying, Camden's kind of far away. I wouldn't make it into Brooklyn. I, we'd be in Brooklyn at like one o'clock in the morning if we left the Camden show and drove in the BK. But yeah, yeah, that would be stupid. No, Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn's not too far away. So after the show lets out, you know, I, I think we'll we'll figure it out where we're gonna go. There's a few metal bars in BK. There's a few other, you know, there's one or two in Manhattan too. Um, probably not going to be hitting the, the club type places. It's definitely going to be a hole in the wall dive metal bar. Like I think there's lucky 13 saloon, there's duffs, you know, there's a few places to go where metalheads will congregate. And I'm sure that there'll be more than us heading to those places. So uh, absolutely. And it's, it's the two of us and at least, at least one other good friend of ours. Um, so we'll, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. I, you know, That's actually just something about the two of us. Like, we were kind of always this way. We were always like, hey, man, you know, like, we're going to go see this band. Like, everybody we know. Like, we would always tell everybody we know to go. You know, like, when when we were in college, like, you know, um, I would – I had my fraternity house. Dude, I would tell everybody. I was like, dude, yeah, come on. Come hang out. Like, the two of us, like, we like cool people joining us for things. You know, like, it, it's cool for the three of us to go drinking. It's way cooler for us to go drinking with some other cool people. Like it's it's way more fun, you know. And it's just it's just the truth of the matter. Um, so I look forward to it, man. I can't wait. Like all of these things are gonna be awesome. Like all of these things are gonna be awesome. Anyway, why don't we do our picks of the week? So why don't you hit us up with your pick of the week? Okay. Oh man, I've seriously I'm, I'm I've started. I have. Do you need to blow out all that BS breath? Yeah, in the, in face. the face. No, I have. Um, so this kind of figures into my pick of the week a little bit. Um, I have, according to my discogs, I have one thousand three hundred nine LPs, and that that's full size twelve inch records. Doesn't count ten inches. Doesn't count, uh, you know, seven I don't inches for anybody. Seven inch. You know, doesn't count any of that stuff. Um, so. I have not organized my records in probably, God, I want to say maybe four years or so. So, like, when I buy one, I listen to it and I put it on the shelf. And generally speaking, I have a terrible memory, but I can remember, oh, I think I bought that around the same time. So I can kind of find it, like, by by process of elimination. Like, on July 3rd, I wanted to listen to Return of the Living Dead soundtrack. Wasn't 
it was just literally stuck somewhere on the shelf. But I'm like, you know, I remember buying that around the same time, and sure enough, I found it within like two minutes. Well, so do, like, do you remember remember in High Fidelity where where um where Rob was going to organize his records autobiographically? Autobiographically, yeah. So which I still think is awesome, by the way. But but point point being, <laughs> so I just started organizing because I I finally am sick of like I really want to listen to this record, and then I look at like. 1,300 records and say it's in there somewhere <laughs> you know what I mean so I finally have decided it's summer I've got some time I've got I've got a 30 pack of Miller Lite and I've got a pile of records I need to listen to so I'm like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this and I made it all the way through a Monty Marth before I started doing this show <laughs> so um I was just That's currently awesome. looking for Amorphous I my two Amorphous albums that I have I have Tales of a Thousand Lakes and Halo but the reason I say this figures into my my pick of the week is because two of those records that I just or one of those records I just picked up was Demolition Hammer's Tortured Existence and I listened to this today. So Demolition Hammer has always been one of those bands I loved. Um, I discovered them when I was when the world of MP3s and online music first opened up to the you know to everyone meaning that, you know, you could find MP3s almost anywhere. They they would sometimes be like crappily named or or terrible sound quality. But you know, when that happened, you know you you know what you do. Well, what are some other bands I should listen to? And you go down that rabbit hole. Well, Demolition Hammer was one of the ones I found. Yeah, it's their second album that I think of. But yeah, well, the I, the Epidemic of Violence is my favorite. But I also have that one. But I I listen to Tortured Existence today. Um, so I. I love this album. It's so, you know, people consider it thrash metal, but truthfully and honestly, it's way more closer to death metal to me. Um, like, even on the front cover, it says, like, the thrash metal masterpiece, and I'm like, ah, you know, I'm not going to nitpick or split hairs here, but I'd say, you know, death metal. Well, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, figure... But, but, the, but at be, this be, time, death and thrash were so close that... Yeah, I mean, dude, it, it was, it's a Morris Sound album. Right, I mean it, the the record was recorded in Morris Sound in nineteen. You know, it was released in nineteen ninety. Sounds like it. it well, that's what I'm saying. It, it, this is a straight up, and so yeah, it's a straight up Morris Sound death metal record. But in nineteen ninety, death metal was really just kind of becoming a genre. Mm-hmm. There there wasn't a death metal genre before then. Yes, you could say there were death metal bands before then. Okay. Like death was, you know, there were death metal bands before then. Possessed. But death, death metal and... was, death metal was not really. It, it didn't really exist as a genre <clears throat> in 1985. In 1990, you know, you had all those bands recording their albums at Morris Sound. You know, I mean, think think of like early Sepultura. You know, Obituary, Cannibal Corpse, Deicide. Like they were all there. I actually kind of want to listen to that. I haven't listened to this in a million years. I kind of want to now. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, Demolition Hammer has always been was always one of my favorites. Um, and you know, I, I, these albums were always unattainable to me because you try to get Epidemic of Violence on vinyl, and it was like, oh, yeah, sure, $300. Yeah, let me get in line for that one. Um, but they've actually finally repressed them. I really wish that they would have released Time Bomb as well, but they didn't. Time Bomb was a really polarizing album for them. But the song Bread and Water is just so freaking heavy. I just love it. I, I remember that album too. Um, um, that's probably the song I remember him by. If, if that's the one that you really liked, 
because um I remember that album too. Uh, and Venomed off of Epidemic of Violence is probably my favorite, and and forty four caliber brain surgery I love. Um, yeah, I haven't listened to these guys in a million years, but uh, I, I I have to because it's it's been a while. No demo, but I I just I uh, and also I I um I'm what am I thinking of here? Um, but anyways, no, so, so, yeah, 44 caliber brain surgery, I just love that opening of the But this, this album is really heavy, like, look, if you're listening, if you've never listened to Demolition Hammer, um, you know, I'd recommend actually listening to both, uh, both, uh, uh, Epidemic of Violence and Tortured Existence, start with Tortured Existence, because Tortured Existence is really a, it's a first album, it is, it reminds me a lot of of eaten back to life and when yeah. i say that it doesn't sound like eaten back to life oh. like it sounds nothing like cannibal corpse but what i mean is it's that band that's still raw that band that's still trying to figure itself out but you know and, and when i say figure itself out not in a bad way like they're still incorporate you can still hear their influences whereas if you get up to like epidemic of violence that's when the band is like we are demolition hammer so to me Tortured Existence is a band saying, yeah, you know, we're Demolition Hammer. And Epidemic of Violence is saying, no, we're Demolition Hammer. Um, If that makes sense. All of those bands were young. Right. They were all young. And they were all, I mean, dude, what you just described. They're also a New York band, so. But you just described the first album by all of those bands. You just described the first Cannibal Corpse record, the first Amani Mark, or not, uh, the first, sorry, uh, the first Deicide record that used to be called Amon. Um, that's why that came out. But, I mean, you just, that's what you just described. I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, Obituaries vocals were a little different and they were slower. Deicide was definitely tried to be, ext- over the other ones, they tried to be the most extreme. I mean, I, uh, Cannibal Corpse visually, but Amon, or why do I keep saying that? Deicide, really, they try to be musically the most extreme, like, very abrasive. Sepultura was, you know, those uh, those early Sepultura records were, you know, crazy too. Um, so yeah, all of those, all of those bands, I mean, I, and, and dude, by the way, I have a, I have a love for all, oh, look at, listen, I mean, the first, the first Mormon Angel was that way. I mean, Mormon Angel, they they started finding themselves on Blessed Are the Sick, and then, um, what we think of as Morbid Angel didn't really start till Covenant. Albeit, Blessed Are the Sick is a great album. I just mean like Covenant's what I mean. I like Alters of Madness and Blessed Are the Sick more so, than I like anything. So do ever I. Done. No, no, no. So do I. But I mean, like when you think of what Morbid Angel sounds like, that started on Covenant, really. Um, but you know, and when we think of early Cannibal Corpse, you think of probably Tomb of the Mutilated. Or, or you know, whatever. Who cares? You know, deicide. Maybe you start thinking of like Once Upon the Cross is where, or you know, um, or yeah, maybe not Once Upon the Cross. You, you probably maybe Legion. Their second record is probably what you think of. But that's besides the point. What I'm getting at is, it's the first record by all those bands, man. And I love, I, I love the first record. I love all those first records, man. I, I pretty much do. I mean, they're not all created equal. That's not what I mean, <laughs> but. I but, mean, um, as unique as Obituary's first record was, it was, it, it wasn't, you know, it, it's not cause of death. Certainly not cause of death. It was definitely a band that went in and recorded some stuff with a great title track. Yeah, also, 
it's funny because um, the the cover for Epidem- Epidemic of Violence, which that's not my pick of the week, but it's Lovecraft Lovecraft's Nightmare B, which is the other half of Cause of Death, of the Cause of Death painting. Mm-hmm. So if you put Epidemic of Violence next to Cause of Death, it actually creates one. I, I don't know if it's seamless, but it is from the same painting. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know if you literally put the two albums together, it would create a seamless painting, but they're from the same works. It's it's awesome. I I just think that's cool. Now well, I have both, and, and I can and do that. I, maybe I, you, you know, know I should I should, do, I should take Cause of Death and I should take uh, Epidemic of Violence and see if I can get them to match up. You know what's funny about that cover too is that was what Sepultura wanted to use for their Arise record. Yep. It but but Obituary beat them to it. And so Sepultura's Arise is something different. Also, by, the, by the way, Michael Whalen, yeah. Yeah, it's also an awesome album cover. Like it's a really awesome album cover. It's it's funny you bring those up because Cavalera just released uh, yes, re-recordings of Morbid Visions and Bestial Devastations, which are 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 pretty crazy records, man. Suit, I'll be um, honest with you, look. I don't care. Nobody shoot me. <clears throat> Nobody get angry at me. I was never into early Sepultura. My buddy tried for years to get me to listen to Schizophrenia, to get me to listen to Bestial Devastation, Morbid Visions, even Arise. They didn't oh, click dude, for me the until Remains Beneath the Remains. Record, man. Yeah, Beneath the Remains is where they finally clicked for me. Wait, well, and that came out before Arise, but yeah, dude, Beneath the Remains to me is just. Man. But even Arise, like I was like, I didn't, I, I, you know, and after after Beneath the Remains, I didn't dig them again until Chaos AD. And and a lot of people that's very polarizing because they're like, well, that's not Sepultura. That's when them when they 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 went in a different direction. But KSAD, regardless of what you say, is an awesome album. Well, it's um, an awesome record, and it sounded like. Let's be fair, right? Beneath the Remains, dude. Beneath the Remains is an amazing record. Don Tardy is on it, I think, isn't he? Uh, um, um, I think he's um, on what? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, he's on. Uh, no, no, uh, he's on. Uh, uh, John Tardy's on on a song, uh, and so uh, he's on "Stronger Than Hate." But I'm trying to remember. "Stronger Than Hate," yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just him. Um, but that was Don. I couldn't remember if it was Don or John, but I no, think it's, it's, right, John. it's John. He does he does vocals. But like the the thing about um, the thing about Chaos AD. Number one, it's a good record, right? No, it's really not my thing. It was it, it let, <laughs> no. What I mean by especially that, especially Godzilla, especially right, well, Biotech is Godzilla. That song just sucks. But no, here's my point. I love that song. Jello like, musically, that that was when they started going, it, for lack of better terms, like that's when they started sounding closer to like what new metal was going to be. I mean, really, you know, the way What's, the guitars you know, were. It, it was like early new metal, and I don't mean that in a negative way. You know, it's funny. I, I watched I watched a documentary on not I'm not only say documentary, but it was like sort of a retrospective on new metal, and that album was really around before new metal. Like I think, if unless I'm mistaken, and I could be mistaken, that album came out around the same time, or maybe even before Korn's first album. No, no, it did. Uh, um, Sepultura's that was '93. Korn's was like '94. '94, um, yeah. So w- all I mean by that was like, like I, I mean, generally speaking, and dude, you and I, people can argue the first all day, but generally, people well, credit- it's the same. Chaos AD versus Korn's first album is right, Possessed versus right. Death. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. I mean, in fairness, I think most people point to Korn, and the reason I say that is because Korn 
kind of spearheaded the new metal movement where Sepultura didn't. You know, they, they went they, to they, Roots, which is more traditional. Yeah, like yeah. Literally, thing, when I say traditional, I mean Brazilian traditional. Well, and the thing about KSAD, though, it is a record that sounded like nobody. Roots was crap. But KSAD was them saying, no, you know what? We actually are a band from Brazil. And they, I mean, dude, let's be fair. In in the world of early, in the first half of the 90s, like it or don't like it is a different thing. I mean, I, I'm not the world's biggest KSAD fan. But, I mean, seriously, if you're looking for, like, great al- great metal albums in the first half of the 90s. I really like it. No, I'm saying, like, Chaos AD is one of the best records of the early 90s. It's clearly one of the most important records of the early 90s. Like, it really was. Like, it's it's that flipping record. That being said, Beneath the Remains is the one I really like. But all Beneath the Remains is just, I mean, dare I say, uh, a great record by a band who... Just kind of sounded like all the other ones. I mean, would I say Beneath the Remains was necessarily a terribly unique thrash metal album? Other than the fact that the vocals were a little different because of Max's accent, and he, you know, he was still like not all that great at English. Um, but and the drums were super tight. But I mean, really, could could, could we just is it okay to say Beneath the Remains was a good example? Of standard fair thrash metal, but KSAD mm-hmm. was unlike anything. Unlike well, anything. they they pretty much they pretty much uh, on beneath the remains said we want to be Slayer. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was just a really good Slayer record. There's nothing wrong with that. It was a really good Slayer record. Um, which is funny because I don't listen to that. I don't hear Slayer at all on that album. I hear Slayer influence. But I don't hear that yeah, album as being Max Cavalera plays Slayer. You know what no, I mean? No, no. Well, you know what it was though. I don't. No, no. I don't think it sounded like Slayer. It was a band. They were a band from Brazil, trying to be like. And this is true. I, I'm not. I mean, like literally, they were trying to be like the American thrash bands. They were. Then they found themselves and became something completely different than everybody else. While I might not love the direction they went in, like, dude, come on. That's awesome. I mean, really, like, legitimately. That's why, I mean, I, w- I would say if the first true new metal record was the first Korn album, man, Chaos AD definitely had that guitar. The, the way the guitars were done on that record really started hinting toward what Korn was going to come out with later. I mean, I remember Korn saying... Like how big of an influence Pantera was to them. Pantera certainly wasn't new metal, but you can hear the Pantera. In, you can, oh my god, you can definitely hear the Pantera influence on in the first Corn record. I would think you'd be crazy to not hear some of it there. You know, albeit completely different sounding bands. Um, I don't listen to Sepultura like hardly at all. Like I, it I, seems like I own every, a ride, like, two or, or three sorry, years. I own. I own Beneath the Remains and I own Chaos AD, and I think that I, to me, my collection is complete. I didn't even buy the the Cavalera stuff. I will listen. I'm, I'm actually meaning to listen to those because I'm, I was. I would be curious to understand if if part of the reason why Bestial Devastation um, and 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 I've, I've said it like five times, and now I'm having a more, brain uh, morbid fart. visions. Morbid, morbid visions. No, it's not yeah. morbid visions. Is it morbid it's- visions? 
Hold on. <sighs> what do they why, release? Why am I now blanking? It's Morbid Visions and Bestial Devastation. Oh, is it? Okay. No, it was, th- it was kind of a split. Bestial Devastation, I think, was first, and then Morbid Angels was second, but put the second half of it is Bestial Devastation or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Morbid Visions. So I, um, I'd um, i be curious to listen to them because part of the reason I – I mean, so let's face it. Those two albums sounded like trash. And when I say trash, I don't mean musically. I mean, they were recorded no. awfully. They, they, yeah, no, no. And they sounded like they were recorded better, with, a, with a tape recorder that somebody had in their lap in the next room. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, no, no. They're 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 utter garbage sound quality. I mean, whatever. So, but what but I'm saying is, I'd be curious to see. Schizophrenia is not great, but it's a little bit better. I'd be curious to see if. Uh, I'd be curious to see if uh, if you know. I'm sure that these albums have you know exponentially better sound quality. I mean, basically, I can record in my basement better sound quality exponentially than those two albums. So. I'd be curious to see if maybe that that increased sound quality or something is something that makes well, the song stand out to me a little more. I mean, maybe. I mean, like, like you know. By the way, I mean, like again, though, you had Beneath the Remains, which wasn't recorded at Morris Sound, but Scott that was a Scott Burns record. So, like, again, like when you th- they they fell into that category of Scott Burns made them sound awesome. Before that, I mean, no, uh, God, uh, it's a hard dude. They're hard to listen to, man. I had them on CD, and I, I, I would, I would, cr- dude. I cringed every time I tried to listen to those. I mean, I cringed, man. It, and I'm not, r- I'm it's not rare when you dick, hear something but. that hears Ma- Venom's "Welcome to Hell" sound halfway decent. I mean, dude, I can appreciate, I can appreciate it, but I, I dude, I'm not going to listen to it. Schizophrenia, maybe, but even then, I don't. I start with, I, I really do start with, with Beneath the Remains, man, and yeah. I, I hate to say that. No, I, I'm definitely, I'm with you, man. I'm actually looking forward to hearing them. Don't know if I'm going to buy them. I'm probably not going to buy them, but I will listen to them. Yeah. Kind of looking forward to listening to them, actually. So, anyways, <coughs> going back full circle, Demolition Hammer Tortured Existence. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to go off on, um, go off on that. But that's half my fault. But. <laughs> but no, I mean, seriously, like, um, if you've never heard Demolition Hammer or if you haven't listened to him in a while, it was nice revisiting this album because um, one of the biggest regrets I have, actually, is... Uh, I was seeing, I want to say I was seeing Creator, maybe Cannibal Corpse, one of those two, and an advert, you know, they, they dropped the screen before the show, and they were showing advertisements for upcoming shows, and Demolition Hammer was going to play, and they were going to play the entire Epidemic of Violence album, and I looked at the date, and I'm like, ah, geez, I can't make it, and honestly, one of my biggest regrets is not rearranging my schedule to make that show, doing anything I could to make that show. I mean, I think at the end of the day... It was something that I think at the end of the day, it was something that I couldn't get out of. But uh, but yeah, I, I really regret missing that show. But anyways, Devilish and Amber Torch Existence. Go ahead and talk about your thing. So my thing, um, I, I will I will actually make this one kind of quick. Um, it's a band I recently rediscovered without realizing I rediscovered them. Um I, I the the my pick of the week is the M E T A L Fest live by the band Freedom Call, uh, German power metal band. Uh, I I was I was playing Diablo four the other day, which I got kind of bored with. But I was playing Diablo four the other day, and when I played Diablo, I I don't really need the 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 much sound from it other than like the combat noises. So I I'm always listening to music uh, when I when I play Diablo. I, I've always done that, and. Um, I, uh, whatever record I was listening to on my Apple music, 
ended and then, you know, the algorithm just went and it just started playing other stuff and I was in a dungeon, didn't back out. And um, the song in Metal the is... Yeah, of course. So, so like, I was, I was in, in a dungeon and I was like in the game. <laughs> yeah, in Diablo, I was in a dungeon and I didn't want to exit out of it. Well, to, you know, g- given your given your proclivities, well, I just wanted to make sure that when you said you were in a dungeon, people understood like, you yeah, know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet you'd like that. <laughs> I think of the scene in Howard Stern, private parts. Um, But <clears throat> the song uh, Metal, uh, Metal is for Everyone came on and I was like dude this is really cool and uh, so I've actually been listening to Freedom Call a bunch lately that that's from their album um, uh, Master of Light uh, which I um, I think is just awesome um, but uh, coincidentally they, they just put a new live record and I, and I man I think it's awesome they're they're German they're they're power metal lack of better terms standard power metal and I was going to talk a lot more about that but there's other things I want to talk about today um, what's funny though is I didn't realize until I started looking at them that their album Crystal Empire came out in 2001. Did I straight up have it? I own that record. Um, I mean, I didn't buy it, I got it from the radio station, but I'm like, wait a second, I used to play these guys, I didn't play them a lot, but I know for a fact there was a couple, of, there was at least one song off of Crystal Empire that we used to play, and I own it. I was like, oh, these guys, I just completely forgot about these guys. And um, while that sounds bad, I mean, it, it's just you listen to a lot of music. Some bands just get lost in the shuffle. This band completely got lost in the shuffle. Um, they are their standard fare, you know, gamma ray. I don't know, like that kind of power metal. There's nothing wrong with that. I wanted to have a conversation about this, but I'll just make it easy. They're standard fair power metal, but by no means does that mean they're not good. Are they? Look, they're not as. It's hard to beat the first couple of Gamma Ray records when, when, um, uh, when Kai Hansen and and Rolf Sheepers were there. I mean, yeah, it's like, no, they're not Halloween, and you know, Stradivarius had a couple of great records. Okay, fine, but they're really good, and it's a great record. Um, a lot of fun. It's a good live record. I'm, I'm glad it was there. It's kind of exactly what I want to listen to. Um, so, yeah, that's my pick of the week. I was I was kind of complaining that nothing cool was coming out this week, and then I saw this. I was like, oh, man, I'll listen to that. I loved it. So, anyway, that's all I have to say about that. Which brings us into something you wanted to talk about from a show you just saw, um, and then another big topic we'll get into after that. So why don't I shut up and let you talk about a uh, show you just saw? So, um, I, uh, le- uh, about a week ago I saw, oops, hold on, I, I just noticed something I need to correct real quick. There we go. Oh, um, <laughs> well. <laughs> so I, uh, I just saw last Saturday at the Prudential Center of the Misfits, um, played with Fear, um, played with a band called Morning. I bought their ten inch or bought their seven inch. Uh, Morning. They they actually are also from Lodi, New Jersey. I guess the drummer from the band. Um, you know what? I'm gonna look him up. Um, I want to see Morning Noise. That's it. So Morning Noise. They were. Uh, they uh, their drummer actually was I guess in a bunch of different bands. Yeah, their drummer was in Sam Hain. Um, the undead, like, you know, uh, he, he played in Danzig too, I guess at some point, Steve Zing. Um, uh, man, so I, I, 
I'm curious what record I um um I'll I'll look. I can I can hear it. He was on. Uh, he might have just been a live guy. He might not have been on a oh, record. Okay. I'm just curious. But he was on all. He was on uh, the first two. I believe the first two Sam Hain albums. Yeah. So, point being, um, what was I gonna say? So, anyways, uh, I saw the Misfits, Morning Noise, uh, Gaslight Anthem, which actually I I stood in the lobby and talked to my friend the whole set, and Fear. Fear was awesome. So I know I know Fear is is hardcore punk, um, but it was I I found out because I bought their tour shirt because I was like, dude, when am I gonna ever see a Fear tour shirt again? And it turns out this is their last tour, so I'm really glad I bought it. Um, and I was really happy to have seen Fear. I mean, dude, Lee Vink, their their singer, is 73 years old. To get yeah, up man. and perform a punk set at 73 years old, holy crap! Like, can oh, you imagine awesome. your? I, I mean, seriously. I mean, can you I mean, imagine Mr. So, Body? He's awesome. I know. He was, well, he's Mr. Body. He was uh, he was in the movie, another movie I can't think of. It was with Willem Dafoe. It was like a, I don't know, it was a really cool movie. It's all like Streets of Fire or something. I forget. But um, anyways, yeah, Leaving Rules. Um, he wrote the song Beef Bologna or Beef Bologna. Uh, uh, he wrote the song New York's All Right. If you like saxophones, you know, I love Fear. They did a great job. There was a great set. But the Misfits, the Misfits did really well. And look, I saw the Misfits. I looked at I found the ticket. I saw them in 2007 at a place called the Cell Block in Erie, Pennsylvania. I was front row the entire show. I was literally like a foot away from Jerry only um, the entire show. Um, they played a lot of their old the time. Yeah, Jerry was doing vocals at that time. Um, it was not with Graves. But they, you know, I looked up the set list and it was a lot of grave stuff, a lot of old stuff. So it was a good mix. And and to be honest with you, from what it seems, that might be the last time you would ever have had a chance to see the grave stuff. So um, apparently, you know, I know I know there's some bad blood between the misfits and graves. Um, yeah, like even like Doyle in an interview recently was like he thinks that all the grave stuff sucks. He's well, like, I, I he's like, I don't think this is good music. Um, can I, you know, let, he's let like, me I don't actually. Go ahead, because I want to throw something out on that note. Go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, like he's he's like because somebody asked him in an interview, like, do you you ever think you'll go back to do the Michael Graves stuff? And he said he said flat out, he goes, I don't. He goes, I really have no interest in playing that anymore. He goes, I don't, I don't really. He's he's like, I was listening to the albums recently, and I looked at the guy next to me, like a member of his band, his solo band, and he's like, wow, this this stuff really sucks, doesn't it? I I personally love Famous Monsters. And American Psycho, I think those albums are great. I really, I compartmentalize the Misfits. There's Danzig Misfits and there's After Danzig Misfits. I know a lot of people like to pick either one. It's similar to Barnes Cannibal Corpse, or 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 Corpse Grinder Cannibal Corpse, or they're, they're, you well, know, they're really not any the same any, thing. any one of those bands. You know, like they're not the same. It, thing. It, it's it's you know, Paul Diano Iron Maiden or or Bruce Dickinson Iron Maiden. Like it's I mean, it's. It, it's it's like you know the, what I mean so the gimmick I'll say this the gimmick was the same but the music was not the, no, the vocals no, no. weren't all that different but the music it was a completely different sound a completely different well, feel Jerry a after Danzig left they they were less hardcore punk and they almost were for lack of well, a better term they were still punk but they were almost like a 50s throwback man like they well, like Jerry blended a lot of that like oldies 1950s sound, and that kind of became their signature. And I mean, really and truthfully, it was always there. 
it just felt more pronounced in the Graves era than it did in the Danzig era because in the Danzig era they were trying to fit in with the New York hardcore bands. I mean, look, I'm 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 not a Misfits expert here. I'm I'm assuming all of this stuff, but I can tell you like you know the 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 post Danzig era they embrace they seem to embrace it like they even did a they even did a covers album project 1950 which was all 50s songs covers and if you would have told me any if i didn't know any better which i do because i love 50s music myself but if you would have wouldn't have told me any better and you would have told me these are all misfit songs i would have been like all right i believe it you know um uh, let me let me let me let me no let me say okay so as a as someone who's not a misfits fan who doesn't i don't like dislike the misfits right i don't i don't like punk fine i don't hate the misfits i just don't really enjoy listening to them um i i respect them i i get all well i don't respect doyle because he's an idiot but um we'll get back to that but you know dude when you paint your face to take a crap in the morning whatever but like wakes up in the middle of the night oh i gotta take a crap but first i gotta paint my face i gotta paint my face (laughs) wouldn't want the bowl to see my face you know like, um, but no, seriously, like, okay, so not a Misfits fan. I need to get that out of the way because of what I'm about to say. So this is a guy who I, I, I've listened to everything they've ever put out. I, I, I truly and honestly have. Um, well, that's not true. That surprises listened- me because they put out a lot of crap. No, 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 no. no. Let me put it this <laughs> and way. And I don't mean crap. I, I mean like No, stuff. no, 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 no. no. I've listened to everything up through at least Famous Monsters. Like, may- maybe not anything after that, but at least Famous Monsters. Because, I've, dude, I've listened to American Psycho and, and Famous Monsters a million times. Um, it surprises really me you've listened to stuff like, and I'm not accusing you, I'm saying it surprises me you've listened to stuff like Static Age and 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 and, and uh, 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 Legacy of Brutality and stuff, because some of that stuff's yeah. pretty pretty rough. No, it is, but, you know? I mean, there's there's... There's I never knew you, I on, never knew you listen to that stuff. That's why I'm just saying I'm surprised. Well, no, no. I mean, I, I, let, let me let me say this collection. I wouldn't be surprised, but well, no, no, no. There's a reason for it, though. It's because I'm not a Misfits fan, and I listened to those albums with a lot of like trying to figure out if I was missing something or like is there something here I'm gonna really like. Um, so I, I listen. I've listened to those re- the, the the early stuff. I've listened to enough to be familiar with them, and you know the collection. I you know I I know all those songs. Um, I am by no means an expert on these guys. I, I'm not, but you know I've listened to those, and um, you know American Psycho and Famous Monsters. I've voluntarily listened to a, a, a handful of times. I don't like it. It's not really my thing, but I don't hate it, and. Knowing the importance of Misfits, I've listened to it. Okay, fine. I'm saying that just because this is an outsider, someone who is very familiar with their music, at least up to a certain point, but is not a fan. Would would I, like, upset the entire Misfits-loving world if I said I legitimately think the best song they've ever written by a damn long shot is Dig Up Her Bones. Like, am I completely nuts? Um, because, you know... And, and, and for the record, I point this out for a reason. Because the only problem with that song is it sucks in comparison to what the song is supposed to sound like. 
what, what I mean by that is Graves completely wrote that song by himself. It's, and if you've, ever, if you've never heard that, like, I, I remember that this is why I like that song. Because you can find videos of Graves doing the song the way he wrote it. Uh, I guess the story was like they were doing that album and they were just trying to write more. They were trying to put more songs on it. And, and Graves was like, dude, I, here's a song I wrote like a million years ago and he played it. And they're like, that's really cool. So the version you hear the Misfits do is different. It, it's, it's, it, that is very, very punk sounding. Whereas if you've never heard Graves' version, he plays it on acoustic guitar. It's awesome. I, I think it's like legitimately an awesome. It's not, it's not really punk at all, I don't think. It's just an awesome song on an acoustic guitar that dude Doyle could never play if he wanted to. Trust me, Doyle couldn't play it. Um, Graves is a better well, guitar player. I'll get, I'll get to, I'll get to that too. Well, we'll get to that. Um, but I mean, I, I, I hate to say that the album version of that song disappoints me, only because I think the original version of that song is just way more. Well, it's not the Misfits. It's just very dynamic, and I, I think it's just really well written. But. That being said, as far as a Misfits song goes, no, I don't like the guitar sound, and no, I and blah, 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 fine. And it does get very punk, especially the second half of the song. Not my thing. But I, if I were to say, like, what do I think is the best song they ever wrote? Like, Dig Up Her Bones is probably my answer. I don't know if I'm alone in that. I think that, I think the, like, late, I think the Graves era, people that got, on to, got into the Misfits in that era, I think that's, pro- I, I'm, that's probably their favorite song, too. Um, but no, that like Saturday night was a big one. We used to actually play that. Someone used to request that we, all the time, and we would reluctantly play it. Not because we didn't like it, but we're like, eh, this really sounds kind of weird on a metal show. But um, so we used to play Saturday night. There was a couple other ones from know. there we used to play. You know, but I think Dig Up Her Bones is an awesome song. I just I mean American the Psycho in general. Better. American Psycho in general is an album I actually really like. Um, I've listened to that. I mean that used to be one of my CDs that I keep in my car. It's a good album. Um, that I, I'd have Collection too, and I'd have American Psycho, and those would be my Misfits albums that I have in my car. Um, the, the thing I'll say about this is, generally speaking, you're going to find people who say Graves sucks, or you're going to find people who say Danzig sucks. I think you're going to find more people who say Graves sucks because the Danzig and the, I mean the fact of the matter is, look at this, look at it this way: Danzig couldn't fill an arena. The Misfits couldn't fill an arena. You put the Misfits and Danzig together, they fill an arena. So there's something there, meaning the sum is great, or the, you know, the sum is greater, or the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Um, I so what I'm saying by that is saying that I think the Danzig era is more iconic, meaning when people think of the Misfits, they think of Halloween, they think of Where Eagles Dare, they think of What We Are One Thirty Eight. You know, it's not, you know, it's not as much, you know, they don't think of when somebody says name a Misfits song, unless they're specifically fans of the Graves era, I don't think they're going to say dig up your bones. I think they're going to say Halloween. I think they're going to say, you know, devil's whorehouse. I think they're going to say, you know, hate breeders or, you know, I think they're going to go on that route. And and that's, you know, where I I I think they're going to say that dig up her bones and Saturday night where. Now again, again, if we're talking the people that were just old school, that's different. Those were probably the two songs that were that really made it into the those were well known 
anyway. Um, they were well-known songs, if nothing else. But um, no, not not compared to they they weren't as iconic. They were big songs. They were big songs for them, but they weren't. No, they're not as iconic. So so the reason I wanted to talk about this live show was I have never seen Glenn Danzig before. Like I've never seen Danzig live. I just never had the opportunity. Um, you know, either. I couldn't make when he was playing around here or he didn't play near us. Like, I don't remember a single time Danzig ever played near when we were growing up. I don't know. I mean, I hung up on him and told him he was a dick, but you know, well, and that's the the funny thing is this. So, and you know, what's funny about that is, um, I was very impressed by Danzig. Um, and it's funny because his whole stage persona is the fact that he's a dick. Oh, yeah. I mean, That's literally, he's just like, you guys. which was Graves' problem because he does he, he he can't pretend that he comes off well, as a nice guy. Whether or not he's a nice guy, I don't know. But he comes off I mean, as like but, a nice guy, which was but weird Jerry came off as a nice guy. I've yeah. met Jerry. Jerry is a nice guy. Like, and when I say I've met Jerry, he had a table at New York Comic Con, and only a few people were going up to it. So I just walked up and hung out with him for like a half an hour talking to him. So, I mean, I mean, like, it's not like I met Jerry. Like, I shook his hand no. and said, hi, Jerry only, and then walked away. Like, I was actually having conversations with him and stuff. Like, you know, well, so, the thing about it is, let's be fair, though. The guys in the Misfits are by no means. Uh, look, dude, their T-shirt is more famous than they are. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, they're, 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 I mean, okay, Eddie's probably more famous than Iron Maiden in total fairness. The The, the Crimson Ghost is more famous than... The Misfit. More people know that than know the Misfits. So, Jerry only. And then that being said, oh, I knew what the Fiend was before I ever heard a Misfits song. I me too. And now Danzig was famous in his own right. The reason I'm saying this is, yes, Danzig was famous in his own right. Now, yes. It really wasn't even the. It, it was less the. It was Samhain really that kind of led to the Danzig band. Well, there were some Samhain songs <coughs> that became Danzig. No, songs. no, no. What what I mean is though, like, you know, he leaves the Misfits because he he always says it's because they refuse to practice or whatever, or, and uh, and then so he does Samhain. And well, anyway, long story short, he's famous in his own right. The Misfits are famous because of a logo. The other guys in the Misfits are not famous. Jerry only is not famous outside of like, dude, if you're in a band that someone likes, you're famous to them. But Jerry only is not a celebrity man. No, he's not. The other guys in the band are not that well known. Glenn Danzig is. You know what I mean? Like like, Jerry's got to be a cool guy. When you're in a band that you've kept together you know, when you've carried a band that long and you, you know, you only get paid because you have fans still, nine times out of ten, they're cool people. But, I, I mean, the thing, the thing I wanted to say about Danzig, though, was, you know, I've never seen a person before who did so little but still had the audience listening to every word he said. Yeah. And it, it's there's just something about Glenn Danzig. And... You know, normally, you know, you get guys up there. He literally mumbled the whole time he was on stage. He's like, you know, we know lots of songs. We know Halloween. We know 20 Eyes. We know Devil's Whorehouse. We know lots of songs. Which one do you want to hear? 
and people were going and like you just couldn't help but like pay attention to him like i think if anybody else got up on stage and did that they'd be made fun of well like, i mean can, can we be fair can we be fair like he's the most badass midget on the planet well i i still love that youtube video that went around a few years ago of him getting one punched oh i know <laughs> hey, by so, the way by he the got way some guy's face and the guy just knocked him out cold I would never use that term to describe someone who is legitimately a little person. I'll just say it about Danzig because, you know, he's like, well, his belt buckle is half the size of him. Oh, I know. He's got that awesome Danzig skull belt buckle, which in case you didn't know, is from a Marvel comic book. That skull came from a Marvel comic book. I mean, dude, he's got a beer gut now. Like, I'm surprised he can still wear it. But, you know, it's Danzig. Well, but, you know, but I'm not making fun, dude. He's old enough to, to have a beer gut. It's cool. But but I'm just like, the whole reason I wanted to talk about the misfits tonight more than just in passing was to say two things. First of all, Jerry only is one of the best bass players in music, I think, right now. And I'm not saying skill wise. I'm not saying he could get up there and do a bass solo to blow your mind. I'm saying very few bass players have the ability to walk around stage and and really do a good performance and really kind of look like they're having a blast. Yep. Like bass players are so blended into the background. Danzig for I again, I don't know how, but he can mumble, hey guys, what's going on? We're the well, it's 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 and it's character, he, it's confidence, it's stage. And, and, and that's what it is. It's total confidence. Like I always wondered to myself, like, how does a guy like Glenn Danzig get, you know, like like do songs like Wicked Pussycat and there's strippers, there's always strippers around him. And of course, I know the answer is money. But well, yeah, that's strippers pers- like money. Well, let's well, be fair. But that's persona that he's always like projected of himself. It's just sheer. It's not even confidence. It's cockiness. Like oh it, yeah, it, his is his is cocky. His, his is it's not confidence. It's it's total cocky. It's total it's ego. arrogance. It's complete. It's, no, it is arrogance. It's, arrogance, it's cocky. It, it, it. But that's part of the shtick. But that's what I mean. Like so, like, do you want so, Glenn Danzig to be up there? Like, hey guys, I love you. You don't want that. Well, but that's what I mean. But that's exactly what I mean. Like he got up there and he held the audience in the palm of his hand by mumbling. And I'm thinking to myself, like, and the thing is, like, I was, it's, not, I, I'm seriously thinking to myself, like, this guy is just mumbling into the microphone. Why can't I help but wonder what he's gonna say next? And again, it's not like he was Howard Stern saying outlandish crap. I'm just thinking to myself, like. And the thing is, between every song, like you nor- normally go to bands like like the Misfits, you expect them to go one song, two song, three song, four song, five song, six song. Like you expect it to be boom, 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 because all their songs are a minute long. Literally, in between, I think the time between songs were longer than the songs. And Danzig would totally just stand there for a minute and then be like, you guys still awake? How you doing? And I'm thinking to myself, like, like I, I don't know. There's just something about Danzig that like, it's just so weird. Everybody just kind of stood there and waited for him to talk. Like, I I don't know what, I don't know what the hell, how he did it because anybody else I'd be like, dude, shut up and play the next song. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what we've said before though. That, that is why you can replace someone with someone who is technically in every way better at that than you are and doesn't have what you have well there's a difference between a vocalist and a front man i mean could we be honest here i mean as far as like vocals go like 
Graves is a thousand times better of a singer than Danzig is. Look, I don't know. I will say this. Look, I just I, what I mean by that is like he's a good. He's actually a pretty good singer. Like legitimately, like he's a pretty good singer. Fine, but he's not Danzig. I'll say this too. Look, with everything going on around with with people saying, "Oh, this person sings to attract," that person sings to attract. I'm going to give Danzig the benefit of the doubt and say he didn't. No, I don't think he did. Either. But I, I don't think he did either. But I'm going to say this: the dude was dead on. Like, yeah, he hit every was. note. He hit every note. It's he sounded awesome. Like I will say that. Like, and look again. I'm a Misfits fan. I I, I love the Misfits. I yeah, love I, listening. I watched to them. the videos, dude. I watched enough of them to go, yeah, man, he sounds good. But that's the thing, like. A lot of vocalists, they get to be his age. You start to hear cracks. Like, you start to see the cracks in the foundation. I don't think he missed a note. And again, I don't know. Maybe I, I think, he had a track. You know, maybe he did. I mean, he maybe he had some help. I and mean, so what? But like, I'm not accusing him, by the way. No, but what I will say this, though. He, he, he benefits from not... He doesn't tour that much anymore. That's good for him. Like... What it, it, I, I if he was a if he had been a road warrior still for years I I, I don't know if he would be able to keep it up, um, but well there's something else that Glenn has going for him when a vocalist the vocalists that perform best as they age are vocalists who spent their career singing in their pocket and never go above or below it. Danzig, oh, yeah. he sings in the pocket. Now, let's be fair. I would guess if he were touring with Danzig, I would be curious if the vocals were that on. For example, well, he, actually, could, he was never able to do the chorus to Mother properly. He, there were parts of Mother that were too high for him. They always were. The Misfits, he wasn't pushing his vocals that way. And, well, and, and I, don't, that, I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean that as a compliment. I'm he didn't push his voice to sing those songs. He kept it in his pocket. So he can still do it now as long as he stays healthy. And he takes care of his voice and he doesn't tour too much. And he shows up on stage giving a crap. I'm, well, I'm I'm not terribly surprised he still sounds know, good. And and it's funny cuz before before I saw the Misfits with him, he's touring for like I think the 30th or some anniversary, I can't remember exactly. It might be the 30th anniversary of his solo album, right? Yeah. And it may even be like 35th, who knows at this point. But yeah, it was 80s, but yeah, it was it was late. Well, because 80s, because yeah, cuz it he never got fa- the, the 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 record didn't Mother was not successful from the first record. Thrall Demon Threat Live. Yeah, it was Thrall Demon Threat Live that that, that got it, which is live, interestingly, um, which got that, the the fame that it had. Um, So, but but the the thing I was going to say... Dude, I will never say a bad thing about that record. It's amazing. But the the thing I was going to say, though, is he's going to play in Atlantic City, which is, you know, a couple hours away from me. And he was touring on... He's going to do the entire first Danzig album. And I was like, I don't want to drive that far. After yeah, seeing him at cool. the Misfits, I'm like, I think I'm going to drive that far. Because Dude, I, I I do not count myself as a Danzig fan. I would go to that. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, like, 
I, for me, it was just travel. But now I'm thinking to myself, like, I really got to figure out a way to get down there because, um, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, I, I'm just really, I kind of want to see it now. Um, but the other thing I was going to say is Dave Lombardo was Dave Lombardo. He was awesome. He hit everything he needed to hit. Um, and Doyle was kind of ridiculous. Um, look, <laughs> I know Doyle has his fans. I know people love the guy for some reason, mostly because he looks cool. But the thing that I found strange was the Misfits was always a four piece. You know, there was bass, guitar, drums, and vocals. They had AC Slade in the background as a second guitar player. And I've sent you videos yeah. of Doyle playing and what he is playing doesn't sound like what's going on on stage. Like he's literally doing slides on the guitar and you can't hear those slides. All you hear is the power chords. So, and there's been a lot of people online that have actually said, you don't hear Doyle. You hear AC Slade. Doyle is either buried or out of the mix. Yeah. Like they Tom Arrayed the guy. And, I'm wondering, yeah, I, I mean... Meaning you know, he just you, doesn't exist in the mix. Nothing well, and that, Tom, that's the thing. Nothing like, against Tomariah. He's awesome. I'm just... Yeah, you know, the thing is, you, 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 he, I've heard his guitar on stage, so I'm really curious if they, like, seriously were like, oh, it's time for Doyle to do his shtick, because he did this thing repeatedly where he would do, he'd be, hey, Doyle, and he'd be like, dun, 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 and he would, like, Frankenstein walk out from, like, behind the amps or something like that, and then after that, I'm, I'm, I'm like... I, I don't I mean look I'm not going to say that I, look I'm not I'm not accusing anybody of anything I'm not saying he wasn't playing I'm just saying I've seen videos and I was watching him live and I'm thinking to myself the guy is like sliding from the first fret up to like the the 18th fret repeatedly but I hear it like I hear a, a, a fifth fret power chord and I don't hear those slides at all so and I sent you those videos I'm like listen to this and, and literally, he's, like, doing stuff where it doesn't sound anything like what you're hearing in the audio. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen videos of his solo band. I, I the, the guy was playing his stuff there. I hate that guy's muddy as crap guitars. Whatever. I mean, it, it, guitar tones, it, it's, it's a subjective thing. I don't like the sound of his guitar tone. Probably never will. But I also didn't hear that. I don't know, man. I don't see or hear Doyle in the videos of the Misfits that I watched. But, I mean, whatever. Like, I'm not accusing either. I do find it odd that they need a second guitar player. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, whatever. I mean, either way, it was a good... It was a, it was a good show. Let's just sum it up, basically. It was a good show. I'm happy I went. And, uh, you know, um, it... it it definitely, definitely is worthwhile. You know, okay. So the Doyle conversation, um, I make fun of the guy because of the makeup. I just, and, and I, I will always make fun of vegans who feel the, feel it necessary to constantly tell people they're vegan. I mean, I, I'm proud of you for being vegan, but could you shut up about it? That's just me. It's a me thing. Deal with it. But that does bring up a point that you and I were talking about earlier today, and that, uh, well, why don't why don't you explain the setup of the guitar player thing we were going to talk about? But the the Doyle conversation actually 
transitions into this conversation pretty well. Maybe, maybe you can phrase what, how it was brought up or whatever. So I was just in, um, I was just on like some, you know, metal page. I don't, you know, whatever. And they were talking about, um, they were talking about rhythm guitar players. Um, and they, they, you know, it was Dave Mustaine actually said, and I want to find the exact quote because it was Dave Mustaine being Dave Mustaine. And I just kind of want to find this for a second here. Um, uh, I really want to find the right quote because it, it's, it just, Sorry, it's I don't mean to be like looking for it, but uh, here I found this. I found where I sent it to you. Um, crap. Either way, okay, I'll say this: it was Dave Mustaine, uh, being Dave Mustaine, saying something along the lines of him. James Hetfield, Malcolm Young, and I'm trying to remember the last person who he said. It was him, him, James Hetfield. Oh, I found it. As far as rhythm guitar players are concerned, there's James, there's me, there's Malcolm Young, and there's Rudolf Schenker. There's no one else that touches the four of us. We're the Fantastic Four. So, of course, in the comments, people are saying, Malcolm Young, what, what has Malcolm Young ever played? Why, you know... I can't believe they would bring up Malcolm Young, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, like, he's never played anything difficult. Um, you know, and I don't know. Like, I, I don't think I know of a single rhythm guitar player who doesn't pay tribute to Malcolm Young. We were having a conversation about this earlier, about how technically is what Malcolm Young played difficult, meaning... Is going from an E chord to an A chord to a G chord to a D chord difficult? No. Not not to a person who's played guitar for any length of time. Uh, you know, who can at least play basic chords. The the thing about it was, Malcolm played it in such a way... He First of all, he was rock solid. The guy was... A de- like, he was the bedrock of ACDC. Like, I'm convinced that if Phil... And Cliff would have stopped playing. It wouldn't have made any difference. I mean, you know, aud- you know, audibly you would have noticed the drums and bass drop out. But I think Malcolm could have just kept going without either one of them. Is what I mean. Yeah. Well, <sighs> Malcolm. I mean, let's be fair. He was the guy. He's he's one of the guys. I mean, he's. One of the, well, it's clearly one of the most successful, but one of the most famous rhythm guitar players. And I don't mean the most famous person to ever play rhythm guitar. That's not what I mean. I mean, he's one of the most famous rhythm guitar players. Like when people talk about great rhythm guitar players in rock and metal, is he not one of the first names that almost always comes up I mean in most discussions is he not one of the first guys that comes up he's almost always one of the first names that comes up now I mean 
what he did, first of all, playing ACDC is deceptively hard. It's deceptively hard. Right. It's simple chords. Angus Young himself said, if it's difficult to play, it's because you're not playing it right. What he meant by that was, they're probably do- there's probably an easier way to play that, and they're doing it the easier way. But playing those kinds of chords, you have to play them perfectly. You got to play them with conviction. You can't strum Malcolm's parts. You got to you got to dig into those riffs. You you have to you you have to like I, I don't I don't even know how the best way to say this. Like you have to you have to just be like I'm going to play that. Like you can't there can be no hesitation in the way that you play Malcolm's gotta own parts. it. You do. You got to own it. You got to own it. And you got to play it perfectly and you got to play it clean. Dude, Mal- Malcolm did not hide behind distortion. He didn't. Oh, Malcolm was cleaner than Angus. Meaning he played his out of a guitar bass head nine times out of ten. I mean, he was super clean. And there's nowhere to hide, man. There's nowhere to hide in Malcolm's parts. Yeah, people, you know, and dude, Angus guitar solos, the vast majority of them are just play play something, play the blues scale in key. Uh, Angus, I mean, no, no, don't get me wrong. He's got some iconic guitar solos. 90% of his guitar solos are just, he just BS'd something in, and I, but I don't, I'm not making, I'm not putting down Angus. I have Angus tattooed on my arm. Meaning, like, dude, there, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to most ACDC solos. They're just play a blues scale in key and, you know, make it sound cool, and that's, that's it. Their solos aren't complicated. They're just, you know, I'm not saying they're easy to play, but whatever. But playing ACDC is deceptively hard, first of all. Second of all, I, I, I liked how Scott Ian put it one time. Scott Ian played the main rift. It was like back in black or something. And he was like, dude, if I walked into band practice and played those chords, my band would look at me like I'm an idiot and tell me to leave the room. But Malcolm plays those three chords, and you get back in black. How does that happen? The the man, he was the ultimate example of keep it simple, stupid, perfectly. But I mean, how many people have said like, there is, you know, we always say Metallica is ever is the exception to everything in metal. Is ACDC not also an exception to everything? Because people be like, dude, I don't like, you know, like, I don't like three chord bands. Well, except for ACDC. Like, they're, they're, the, they're the exception. They're the band who never really changed, and it's okay. They're, they, they're, they did their own thing. And, and so Malcolm, I, man, I, I think he's one of the greatest of all time. But it, it brings me to think of the question of, like, what makes a great rhythm guitar player? Now, I know it's a subjective thing, right? 
to the person who commented on that, clearly, to them, being a great rhythm guitar player means playing something complicated. Playing a nine-string guitar in, you know, 17-8 time with nonstop arpeggios. That, that's probably what they mean. And that's fine. That's fine if that's what you're into. When we're talking great rhythm guitar players, like what, I guess, like, what is our criteria? Like, and I mean, maybe I'm asking you, I mean, look, I play guitar. I don't, I play guitar more so than I would call myself a guitar player, if that makes any sense. Um, but you're, you know, definitely a guitar player. <clears throat> and, and, and to be fair, you do solos, but you are also happier being a rhythm guitar player than playing solos. You always were. Mm -hmm. You played solos. Like in our band, you played solos. But that wasn't what you wa liked doing. You you liked being a rhythm guitar player. That's where your, that's where your I hate to say passion, but that's where it was. That's where your home was. So what what makes a great rhythm guitar player? I I, I, I really I mean Rex I guys I, I would ask. Oh, are you, you asking me? I thought I, I thought, know, sorry, I thought I, it was yeah. So let let me actually let me throw this to you. I would be curious what what are some things that you would say make a great rhythm guitar player, and we can just and we'll take it from there. So, you know, it's funny because I and I asked you this today too. So you look at a lot of the legendary bands. You talk about you know rhythm guitar. Let's let's even take Dave Mustaine's examples. Him, James Hetfield, Rudolf Schenker, and Malcolm Young. Okay? Let's take his examples. I asked you, I said, why is it that everybody gives these guys credit for being such rock-solid, hardcore rhythm guitar players when the guy... Because they're all two guitar bands. Scorpions, ACDC, Megadeth, and Metallica are two guitar bands. I said, do you? And this this is how I, this is how I kind of thought started thinking about this was. Those are all two guitar bands. So what makes James better than Kirk? Kirk plays exactly what James does plus solos. You know the guy whoever whoever is in Metallic or sorry whoever's in Megadeth this week. I know it's Kiko usually, but whoever's in Megadeth this week. Yeah, dude, learning the name to a Megadeth member. It's like naming a goldfish, man. It's pointless. Anyway, exactly. So he's playing everything Dave plays except for solos and, and plus solos, you know, his own solos. Malcolm, Angus played all those rhythm parts too. Rudolph, I forget the other guy in the Scorpions. <laughs> yeah, there's been a million of them, but anyway. I know, there's been a few guys, but, you know, whoever's playing, you know, Rudolph's, whoever's playing with Rudolph at any given time is playing his parts too plus solos i mean i know rudolph solo too but i'm thinking of like i'm always like but so why is james like viewed so much better than kirk in the rhythm because i'm like kirk plays master of puppets kirk plays battery like he plays all those parts too well scott ian recently got a lot of crap for saying that kirk hammond is the most underrated rhythm guitar player of all time and it's because people don't give him credit for also playing what James does every night. Yeah, it's not like he stops. It's not like James plays and he waits for the solo and stands there. It's, you know. 
yeah, it's weird. So you because know, of and, how and much of the time they're doubling each other, that's which is I mean. a lot in Metallica. Oh, in Metallica, except for harmonies or solos, they're always doubling one another. Like the entire first part of Master of Puppets, like it's all they're all doubling one another. So James might have played it all on the record, but they're both doing it live. But that's what I mean. So it's like. So, you know, and I'm not trying to make a case that these guys are not great rhythm players. I'm not trying to make a case that Mustaine, you know, Young and James Hetfield are not all great rhythm players. They are. I mean, to me, I never thought of Dave Mustaine as a great rhythm player, meaning I never thought of him as a rhythm player. He's always been a lead guitar player to me. In Metallica, he was a lead guitar player. In Megadeth, he's a lead guitar player. I usually think of a rhythm player as a guy who might play a solo or two but is primarily holding down the he's bo- he's holding down the rhythm like you know, well, I mean? you know like a like an like actually well like malcolm like, like an Scott izzy Ian. stradlin right i mean izzy stradlin in a lot of ways was probably twice the guitar player slash was as far as like a guitar player izzy stradlin's an amazing guitar player but Slash did, as a lead, Slash's home was doing the solos that he did. That was what Slash, what made Slash such a a, a special player were his solos. Izzy was the, was the meat and potatoes rhythm guy. He's great at it. Take Izzy out of Guns N' Roses. Take Izzy out of Appetite for Destruction. There's no Appetite for Destruction. Sorry. There isn't. So, I mean, but that that's, you know, that's really and truthfully when I think of a rhythm guitar player, like, I don't think of Mustaine. And it's got nothing to do with me saying rhythm, Dave Mustaine can't play rhythm. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, quite obviously. Well, because clearly that's single. what he does, but he still, he approaches, I don't know, for me, sometimes, like, it comes down to, well, it goes back to conviction. Malcolm Young was a rhythm guitar player. And he dedicated his career to that. I mean, that's Malcolm what he in particular. Was and that's what he did. He stood in the corner. Occasionally, he maybe took two steps forward and said, "Dirty deeds and the done to cheap." And, and then he, he would took only his two walk, steps and, back, and that's it. Yep, he only moved when he needed to do backup vocals. That was it. That was it? He literally stood in one place, in his. Uh, you know, you know the stage is what's it? Stage left, stage, stage right, right, stage right. Stage right yeah. So he stood in his like I, I I know where he stood. I can never remember what the correct term is. I never remember if it's if you're facing, facing the audience. The crowd. Yeah, if you are facing the audience and you're on the right, that's stage right. And Malcolm was always on the right, facing the audience. Yeah. So, you know, he was always in his, and Cliff was on the other side. Same thing. Stood there like he's like Ian Hill. Ian Hill just stood there. Like, Ian Hill, I don't think... When I saw Judas Priest, I'm not sure if he ever moved his feet. He stands, like, right in front of the drum riser. Yeah. And <coughs> Ian Hill is the backbone of that band. Mm-hmm. And, but he doesn't do much. He just So, stands I mean... There. And I don't care. I'm not... Because you have Angus and Brian Johnson running around the stage. I mean, you don't need anything else. That's good. I mean, Angus does that because Malcolm wanted him to because Malcolm didn't want to. Right. And so to me, being a great rhythm guitar player, like, first of all, being, well, I mean, I hate to say it's a conviction, but being 
the great rhythm guitar players are the guys who that was they weren't playing rhythms just because that's what they had to do until it was time to do a solo. I think that's why I don't think of Dave as a rhythm guitar player. Because I think Dave plays Dave plays riffs until it until he can get the, until he can solo. It's it's the riffs are just building up to when he gets to do his solo. Yeah, Hetfield did a great solo and fine. But no, I mean Hetfield primarily is uninterested in soloing. He does that. Malcolm Young, totally. I mean Scott Ian's a rhythm guitar player. He hasn't done a guitar solo in a million years. Not really. Kind of, sort of, a little bit in, like, Madhouse or something, but the beginning. I mean, but realistically, he doesn't solo. Um, no, I mean, his his one of his most famous guitars is the Knot guitar, where yeah. he has nothing below, like, the 15th fret. It just says Knot, and there's no frets below the 15th fret. There's... But it's because he... So, I mean, I, I, actually, half the time, it, it has to do with the approach. I think the great rhythm guitar players are the ones that are, that that's, that they're doing it, and something else about those rhythm guitar players is they're also rhythm guitar players whose rhythm guitar drives a lot of what the band sounds like, too. James's rhythm playing is what Metallica is more than a lot of things. Um, but those are what those just make them rhythm guitar players. Like what makes them great rhythm guitar players? That's when it gets hard because is it riffs? Like, is it songwriting? Well, because that couldn't be the case because you couldn't even count Scott Ian unless you talk S.O.D. because he never writes anything except for no, lyrics. Scott doesn't write any of the music. But I would say Scott's one of the better rhythm players because he, I mean, he owns the role. Like, he, he, I mean, Anthrax, again, you're like, you know, I, I know that, 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 uh, uh, Frankie is, is there too and he's, he's a solid bass player. I, I, we were talking about this before how, I feel like Frankie's probably one of the most underrated bass players in metal, especially in the big four. And I think, you know, Scott is just like, I've seen the guy play so many different things. Like I know Scott's known for anthrax and SOD, but if you ever watch his like, you know, social media, he's in a lot of different bands. And even when he doesn't play in different bands, he does a lot of stuff on his own and he's just always rock solid. Like Scott is Scott, and and after having played some of the, the the stuff that Anthrax, I've been learning more and more Anthrax just for fun. Like a lot of that stuff, in my opinion, I find Metallica easier than some Anthrax, I, and I mean overall, like Metallica was more technical, meaning they're gonna do stuff like in Fade to Black or in One. Where they're going to do the You're not going to hear that in an Anthrax song But in terms of like a brutal Fast aggressive riff I'm sorry You can say whatever you want about Metallica There are some Anthrax riffs That could literally wipe their butt with any Metallica riff In terms of how hard and fast And you know hard, just, just challenging they are to play 
like I, I've never had a problem playing any of Metallica's fast riffs. There are some Anthrax riffs where I'm like, all right, I got to work on this for a little while. Yeah, I mean, now, now you've got, you, you've got some other. I mean, like, um, um, I, I think undeniably Jeff Waters from Annihilator, right? Yeah, the fastest right hand in heavy metal. Who got? But the, so that's another one, right? The, it's it's the thing about the thing about lead players. You think of their their, their fret hand, rhythm players, man. You think about those guys that can that can just dig in with their pick hand. It like, could be their left hand, I guess. But I'm gonna stroke my ego a little bit here, and that's one thing. Like I always a guitar I'll player. Something else. You, you you go ahead and do. Well, that. you're probably already doing that, but um, I, I was gonna say. <clears throat> rhythm guitar players like one thing I always strive to be as a guitar player I actually never cared about being able to play arpeggios never never cared about being able to like play you know watch out watch this solo I can do and I'm using you know eight fingers on the fretboard because after that what else can you do um I think Jeff Watson Jeff Waters or Jeff Watson Watson, Watson. yeah I, we were just talking about Jeff Waters that's why that creeped into my head but uh Jeff Watson was I, I'll never forget that interview he he, you know he's famous for doing eight, you know a, I think it was what you can still rock in America. Yeah, it, it, Jeff, um, it was uh, the song "You Can Still Rock in America" by uh, by Night Ranger was where he did this famous eight fingers on the fretboard. And solo. in an interview, he was like, "I mean, I've done eight fingers on the fretboard. After that, what else can you do?" Yeah. Um, so that that we always we always make fun of that or laugh at that, but um, I've never cared about that. Like I've never cared about being flashy. I always wanted to have the fastest right hand like on guitar like i always wanted to be able to sit there and be like oh yeah i can play this you know like playing in the palm it's like like ice yourself you know like that kind of stuff and master oh i can play master of puppets you know like that kind of all down picking without breaking a sweat like that's the kind of stuff i always wanted to be able to do and i remember we were recording indians in the studio and we sped it up because that's typically what we always did. Um, and I remember our producer looking at me. He goes, he goes, you, he, he said like flat out. And it's like, well, actually one of the most proudest moments, proudest moments ever as a guitar player. Cause I had a lot of respect for our producer, Doug White from, from Watchman studios. Um, the guy produced a ton of bands. He literally looked at me and he goes, I don't think I've ever seen anybody down pick that fast in my life. Because we were doing, you know, and he said, I don't think I've ever seen anybody pick that fast in my life. And I, I think really and truthfully, you know, when you talk about quality or, 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 you know, dedicated or the best rhythm guitar players, it's not, um, you know, it, it's not about, it's not about like, ooh, watch how flashy I am. It's about keeping that foundation, keeping that like bedrock, that that kind of, you know, if if everything else fails, you know, if the bass cuts out, if the drums cut out, you can depend on that guy. You know what I mean? You, well, yeah, it's what it is. I mean, it's it's it, it's an art form in and of itself in a lot of ways. Um, but I I think. I think it's something where you and I, you know, we listen to a lot of different stuff, and our and our home is our, our home and music is a lot different. You know, like stuff that we really like is different. But, and I listen to a lot of 
I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Rush fan. I, I, I'm a huge Fates Warning fan and early Dream Theater and Queensryken. I, I listen to a lot of older prog and I listen to a lot of stuff that's complicated. But I don't think... I will at least say I don't think it has to be complicated. It has to be solid. Like... Malcolm Young, as just an example, like what he plays didn't have to be complicated because it was flat out perfect. Meaning, no, what's, what some of those guys do is not complicated, but it's so rock solid. It is so tight and so there. The best rhythm guitar players are guys who could do that. Whoever they are. I mean, you know, look at John Schaefer from Iced Earth. Yeah, okay, he does. He's great at doing triplets, but man, that guy is flipping solid at what he does. I've seen Iced Earth a number of times. That guy, not only does he play really fast triplets for two hours in a set but dude that guy is so perfectly locked in it's nuts when you watch that guy play again dude playing iced earth is not a big fret hand workout it's not it's not most of his riffs are only a couple of notes but the right hand but and again the difference between john schaefer and someone else doing that sort of thing is John Schaefer does those riffs and they're so, so solid and so locked in with the drums that that's what makes it, that's what makes what he does a lot harder than what it looks like what he does is. When you look at an Ice Earth riff, you go, oh, what the hell? It's three notes. Oh, I can do that. Okay. Do it and do it that. Do it that tight. I, maybe maybe that's something that I would say. All the great rhythm guitar players have. They're all tight as hell. They are all tight as hell, and they are right there in the pocket. Whether that pocket is a million miles an hour or not, whether it's complicated or not, the greatest rhythm guitar players are right there. You know, what Scott plays is really fast. You know, what Malcolm Young plays is really slow. What John plays is... John Schaefer plays is all triplets. What Dino plays in Fear Factory. Dude, most of the Fear Factory... I was telling you this earlier. Most of the riffs by Fear Factory are like the open string... Or the open B string and like the first three frets. Like, dude, look at Fear Factory songs and go, Oh my God, that's an open string in the first three frets. And that's it! Hell, half the time he ain't even playing power chords. He's just playing two notes. But damn it, is Dino not solid as all hell? Damn it, does that guy not have a metronome built into his own brain? I think saying that, that I think trying to say Dino is not a great rhythm guitar player is, would be crazy. But uh, did he ever do anything complicated? I don't think so. But I don't think it's easy to play either. 
Some of it's fast. But again, damn it, sometimes playing something simpler is a lot harder. It's like, dude, you ask, you ask a musician, could you play that, but could you slow it down? A lot of guys can't do it. A lot of guys can't play stuff if they have to slow it down. A lot of guys can't play stuff if it, they have to give it that much breathing room. Um, so I, I mean, I'm with you. I don't want to just start naming great rhythm guitar players. I, I named a few just because I was trying to give examples of what they did more than mention them. But I don't know, man. To me, being a great rhythm guitar player comes down to the the being tight and being being totally dedicated to being a rhythm guitar player. You're not so let me put it this way. A great rhythm guitar player is A tight. B not the guy who's just taking a back seat. Cuz I don't think any of those guys took a back seat. Now, Malcolm might not have been the flashy one in the front. But I don't think he was just there to do something so the other guy could have a solo. I think what Malcolm was doing was driving the song. Mm-hmm. I think what Hetfield does drives the song. What Scott Ian does drives the song. So I think, I think it, it's being solid. I think it's being your playing should drive the song, and I think you're you realize it's not you're not just waiting around to get to the solo. You're not. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why I don't think Dave Mustaine. I think Dave Mustaine is great at playing rhythm guitar. I don't think he's a rhythm guitar player. Because he's not. He's good at playing rhythms. Don't get me wrong. The man can write a song. The man can write a riff. That he sounds awesome doing it. But that's not what he is. And, and I, I... And he even approach. He doesn't even... He even approaches a lot of what... Even a lot of his rhythm stuff are... Very lead guitar oriented in what he plays. And again, I'm not knocking Dave Mustaine. The guy's a, an amazing guitar player. And always will be. And... He invented a lot of stuff, you know, or or by invented, I mean he, well, I mean, in some ways he did. He came up with his own techniques, a way of doing things that lots of other guys do it that way now. But I, I, I guess, yeah, it, but being complicated, though, there are great rhythm guitar players out there that are complicated. Because that's what they do. Maybe being complicated is what makes them a great guitar, a great rhythm guitar player. And someone else, maybe being really fast and tight makes them a great rhythm guitar player. Maybe someone else, it's because they play what they play in a certain way. That's something else about a lot of the great rhythm guitar players. A lot of those guys, it's how they play more than what they play. Agreed. Charlie might write Anthrax's songs, but they would sound different if it wasn't Scott playing them. I agree. Malcolm sounded like Malcolm. John Schaefer sounds like John Schaefer. James Hetfield sounds like James Hetfield. James Hetfield sounds like James Hetfield. I mean, there is no denying he sounds like James Hetfield. There are... I and again, I mean, we're we're naming. I could name a billion of them, you know. I mean, hell, like Trevor in Obituary is an awesome guitar, or an awesome rhythm guitar player. 
That man doesn't do anything complicated. Ever. Ever. And Trevor's a Trevor doesn't solo. You crazy? But talk about a like a rock solid, awesome guitar player. I think Trevor is an awesome guitar player. Totally rhythm though. That that's what he does. It's what he does. Dude, Dimebag wrote great riffs and Dimebag could play rhythms. Dimebag was not a rhythm guitar player. Right. Nine times out of ten, though, great rhythm guitar players are in two guitar bands. I did want to bring something up. Speaking of, yeah. you know, we're talking about rhythm guitar players, and I know, um, I know, we're we're trying to keep the episodes a little shorter. Yeah. Um, for the record, we're gonna probably duck out here in a minute just because it's thundering really bad again, and uh, I'm afraid of losing power. And if I do that again, it could screw this whole episode up. So, just for the record, that's why we're trying to wind it down. But anyway, continue. Um, so we're recording this on Friday. Friday, July 14th. Uh, granted, it is July 15th because it's 1.30 in the morning, but Friday, July 14th, and I just was notified. You know what came out July 14th, 1992? Uh, Countdown to Extinction. Correct. Yep. That album is... I, I, by the way, and and I'm, I'm going to make it... I'm going to connect it. I was actually going to connect this to Airheads earlier, but I forgot to. So that album is tremendous for me. Um, again, 1992, I was... An eleven? Actually, I was ten. Wow, I wasn't even eleven yet. I was ten years old when that when this album came out. I went to the store and bought it because I saw Beavis and Butthead, Countdown to Extinction. The video, the video for um, 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 Symphony of Destruction was on, and I was like, "This song's awesome!" And I went out and bought the album, and I wore the tape out. So. You know, kind of, I, I've been getting a couple more tattoos lately. I, of course, got my black tooth grin. And the next one I'm getting, actually, a week from Sunday, is I'm getting uh, Vic Rattlehead holding, like, the, the 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 hourglass with the skulls falling down in it with, the with like, the Reaper scythe behind him. And so I'm getting that tattooed on my calf. And because, you know, Countdown to Extinction is a tremendous album for me. I love the art. And I told you, I was like, I was kidding around. I'm like, you know why I got to get a Reaper on me, right? And you're like, well, I'm like, because it's like death is stalking me. It's telling me I got to get off my ass and get this band going. <laughs> so, <clears throat> no, yeah, it's Vic Rattlehead, but I am getting a Reaper tattoo. So <laughs> there you go. No, seriously, it's awesome. I, 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 I love that you're doing it, man. Um, it's, uh, and, and dude, I know that's a, that's a huge record for you. Um, and it's, it's actually really funny that I'm basically getting it. Almost on the 31st anniversary. <laughs> what day are you getting it done? Sunday. Sunday. Awesome. Not, 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 not Sunday, Sunday like Sunday, two days Sunday. from now, but a week from Sunday. Sorry. Sunday. Sunday. 23rd. Sunday. Well, it's like I, actually, I, I coincidentally got my Dio tattoo on Dio's birthday and didn't realize it. Um, Like, I didn't realize that's when I set the appointment up for it. When I was there, I was like, dude, coincidentally, it's Dio's birthday. Um, I want to ask my artist if we can listen to Countdown to Extinction while he does it, too. I, he'd probably be down. I would be shocked if he isn't. Um. Anyway, so out of straight up caution to make sure that, that we don't screw the rest of this episode up, it is time that we duck out of here. Again, it's just it's storming real bad outside. I, I, I would be mad if I lost, if the episode got royally screwed up. We are in a gap. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we got an episode this week. We'll have an episode next week. Then we won't have two in a row. And then there'll be a couple other times over the next two months or so that we that we miss an episode. But we may only do what one episode in August. 
Um, I gotta look at the. I gotta look at my calendar. Because if you're you're gone, calendar. you're gone. What two weeks in August? I will be okay. So I'm gone July 28th and August 4th. So we will do one. We will have a new episode that comes out on the 14th and the 21st. But we will not have an episode that comes out on August 28th. So get your get your fix. If you if if you if you really need a heavy metal hangover fix, find your way into Manhattan to see Wasp and Armored Saint. <clears throat> exactly. Been, yeah, I'm ser- I'm serious. You should do it. If you've been putting off that New York City trip for a while now and you don't already live in the area, do it. Uh, you, you seriously should. Um, it's like a, I, I take a train to get there. It's a good like four and a half hour train ride, but man, Amtrak's easy. It's so easy to take a train like that, dude. It's it's not, it's not like flying, dude. It's awesome. You know, you, you got room and it's, it, it's just way better. And that's not an endorsement. It's just because I don't mind it. You know, I avoided going to New York City for a long time because I didn't want to drive there. Once I realized... The state of New York runs a train across the whole state of New York that makes it super easy to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Once I realized the state of New York runs a train. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I want to run a train on those chicken fingers now. Um, that's a great movie. But uh, so anyway, I, I, I do plan Just, to go. You know, usually when you say run a train, it's, you know, I don't actually think of the actual train. You know? No, no, You're no, usually normally, talking about something else. No, no, no. Norm, normally I'm talking full of room full of boobs, but this time I actually meant a train. Go figure. So, uh, yeah, no, it'd be it'd be awesome if you did that. Uh, come out with us. And again, um, if you're going to Vakken Tuesday night, I, I, I gave the details earlier. I don't have it up in front of me, but go ahead and message me. I'll remind you where it is. And uh, we're doing some drinking games again. I'm not the one organizing it, but you know, some cool people on Reddit are putting together, and I, I'm looking forward to hanging out with them. And you know, if you're there, come hang out with us. So anyway, it is time that we get out of here. Don't forget, like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Heavy Metal Hangover. And also, for anybody new listening to the show, if you haven't heard us say this before, we run no ads, we took no sponsorships, and we weren't getting paid to do this at all. So anything you heard today that uh, was entirely on us. It was uh, not because anybody paid for it or told us to do it so anyway i am ready to get out of here um hopefully not lose power and i got some more beer to drink so anyway my name is Doug. my name is rex and we will see you again next week on another episode of the heavy metal hangover congratulations for actually making it all the way through this episode of the heavy metal hangover with your beer guzzling headbanging hosts rex and Doug.